All right. Welcome back to the Church Tech Props podcast. I'm Jason Chisholm, and this is Rick Fair. And last week on our first episode, we talked about sound systems and how to build out a sound system from from scratch on a budget. And uh, today we're going to talk all things microphones. And so welcome, Rick. How's things going with you? Going really well this week. Kind of rainy out here in DFW, but we're doing pretty good. It's raining here in East Texas as well, so... Got a couple good mics to show today, too. So you, uh, you've got some mics, too, and we'll just kind of go through everything. Okay, why don't you talk about the, the different types of mics, and then we'll give some examples. Okay, so when it comes to microphones, there's really three primary different types. One is a dynamic mic. Uh, think of that. Uh, do you have like an SM58, something like that? Yeah, I got a, here's an SM58 right here. Yeah. Sure dynamic mic right there just your your typical vocal mic that you would see on stage yeah you can get them from 10 bucks all the way to 700 depending on how much noise isolation exactly and this this standard sure is a good workhorse mic and it costs right around a hundred dollars yep they've been 99 dollars for as many years as we've done this (laughs) long time changed so that's the first type And, and when you think of a vocal mic that is probably the first thing people think of is a live recording using a mic like that. Now, the second type of mics are primarily what's used in studios to record high-quality audio. Uh, Those are called condenser mics. Condenser mics come in lots of different shapes and sizes. You can have condenser mics that pick up only the front of the capsule, you could have hypersensitive ones that pick up 360 degrees, or you could have some that are like shotgun mics that are hyperdirectional. Um, the best thing uh, the latter type of those hyperdirectionals is you think of the microphones that are on cameras. Right. Yeah. Shotgun mics on the camera. That, that are trying to, you're literally trying to get a laser aim at the person you want to hear, and it's taking out all the noise around it. Right. So, condensers come in all shapes and sizes because they have different applications. When somebody says, I need a condenser mic, the second question you've got to ask is, how much do I really need as far as noise rejection and how much coverage do I need? That's sort of the, yeah. the balancing act there. I and know what, the they're, what they're going to be, what they're going to be miking if they're doing a condenser mic. If you're miking right. a choir, you're going to have a certain type of mic. If you're if you're micing a smaller ensemble or a band or brass or something, that's a different type of mic. So, Right. Uh, and the thing to consider there uh, when you're looking at, say, a choir, and we'll get into more of this in a second because you've got a mic that's used for choir that we'll, right. we'll yep. talk about. But the thing you consider is, is how much stage noise are you dealing with? Right. Because if you've got a hypersensitive mic, all you're going to get is a bunch of feedback. Exactly, and, and you're not actually going to be doing what you're trying to do. Now, the third type that's not used as much anymore, but they're still available, and a lot of boutique companies make them, uh, is ribbon mics. Yes. Ribbon mics literally are a piece of metal that vibrates, and that's how you generate sound with it. Um, ribbon mics are great for a couple different applications, like guitar cabinets, uh the big tried and true combination, if you hear somebody record a guitar cabinet with a dis- distortion, is going to be an SM57 and a ribbon mic. They blend those together and you get a, a really good sound for a guitar cabinet out of that. Yeah. Uh, ribbons were used 
very, very much back in the day before condensers. Um, Elvis used a RCA. Uh, right. yeah. That was one of the most famous condensers. I can't remember the model number, but it was a RCA. RCA made a condenser. Um, Royer is another very big company in the condenser war, uh, condenser and um, ribbon uh, world. So there's just lots of different types. And it's when you're starting out thinking, okay, I'm building a sound system for a church. What mics do I need? There's a lot of options. And hopefully what we're going <laughs> to sure. do in the next 30 minutes is try to distill down the primary things you need. Exactly. So kind of circling back now to dynamic mics. Dynamic mics like the SM58 come in various different variants of noise isolation. Right. The The mic I think about the most, um, going back to our first church we worked at, um, we did not buy Sure. We bought Audix. Uh, yes, those were great mics. A-U-D-I-X. Um I remember going to a show and seeing a band use Audix over Sure because because we all knew about Sure. That's just mm -hmm. how it was, and, yeah. and we knew everybody used Sure. But I remember thinking, why is this band using Audix? Well, I started looking into it. If you look over uh, the Audix dynamic mics, you have the OM2, which is probably similar to like a Behringer mic that you buy for forty bucks. Yeah, that was not a lot of feedback rejection, nothing like that. And then you went to the OM7, which literally had a 10 dB pad on there for the loudest stage noise possible. Yeah. So you had a, a lot of variation there. And, and I always liked the Audix line because it, it was very easy to understand that you just went up the numbers based on how right. much stage volume you had. Yeah. And we, the OM2s are right in that price range of a hundred dollars, like the Shure SM58. Right. They've so actually improved those since then. Back in the day, yeah. we, we bought the first one for under a hundred bucks. It was under a hundred dollars. We had two or three of them. Yep. But th they've improved their line over the years now. So you look at the OM2 and it's very much like an SM58, uh, counterpart and these mics also if you would like to go the wireless route you can find the same capsules in wireless and wired so the sure sm58 you can find a wireless version of the sure sm58 yep, yep. and uh, the big consideration you think initially is your stage depending on how many singers you've got you're going to have to make a decision right off the bat do you have the access ports there and a snake to be able to plug them in, or are you going to run wireless? Right. My church application, we run wireless just about everything as far as microphones. Um, and we're running up to 10 at some Almost times. too many. Too uh, many. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is for sure. And we just recently purchased some new ones that we're going to be setting up. And so yeah. Sennheiser makes a great, yeah. yeah, they make a great wireless mic. Yeah, they do. So with that in mind, what you have to, to consider is, how big is your stage? Where did you install the snake? And are you willing to run those across the stage, those wires across right. stage? There is a yeah. reason why I truly believe churches have moved to wireless. It's for aesthetics. It definitely cleans up the look. I, 
it's for aesthetics. Um, if you're on a, a mega low budget, you're going to have to go wired. That was us in the first church, mega low that budget. That was us. <laughs> we had, we had cables run. Cables were running all over the place at that church on the stage. It, it, it was it was awful, and and where we had the snake run, it was in the corner. So everything literally ran right. into that corner, and it, it just looked awful. Yeah, and we had to run super long mic XLR cables to get there, and so we'd run them behind chairs and anything we could do to hide it best we could. We got as creative work. as we could, but it still had didn't to. look good. No. <laughs> What was the first church where you went wireless? Uh, was it the second one? Yes, the second church I was at. That's my um, thought. Right. Um, we said it when we put in that sound system, and we we weren't totally wireless. We did have some that were wired, but uh, I I didn't have a wireless guitar system. I had I think we had one handheld wireless mic, and then we had a lapel mic for the yeah. pastor. Yeah, the, the most common wireless mic you're going to see in a church if you're just starting out a sound system is going to be that lapel mic yes and that that's number one you need yeah. to get that for the pastor first absolutely yeah and i would recommend the ear worn countryman style mic it's just going to be a cleaner sound and less yeah. issues well with that being said we can talk about the holidays and what we did with those subpar microphones that were not countrymen's <laughs> That, that do not do not be tempted to buy lower end uh, ear worn mics. No, they're awful. You get what you pay for when it comes to those. I don't even remember what brand those were. They were some off brand. No, we, but yeah, they were awful. Um, I hated we rented, those mics. We rented them from Guitar Center, and I don't even remember what they gave us. They were not good though. They were cheap. They were cheap, and we got what we paid for them. Those rentals. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't have a hundred countrymen because countrymen are 300 plus a pop. But it's um, great for the pastor for a speaking mic. He needs a good quality speaking mic. Absolutely. Uh, I, I always th think of it as the time equation. Who is going to be using the system most of the time? That's where you need to put the money in. Mm -hmm. And choose the pastor. So second behind that is the lead vocalist. Right. So. Uh, I can think of over the years, we ran hybrid setups a number of times where we had the pastor on a wireless and we had you on a wireless, but everything else was wired. Right. I think of that is like, you know, your next step into moving towards a wireless setup is making sure those two, the, the pastor's Correct. mic and the lead vocalist mic is wireless. That's the first kind of step towards well, that direction. And if all, and if all of your singers are stationary and not moving around on the stage, like some of the bigger churches, they have pray, big praise teams and they move around a lot. Wireless is what they need. But if they're in you a fixed position, if they're in a fixed position. There's no reason why they don't have. They can't just use a wired mic. Absolutely, I agree 100. percent Yeah, um, and that's that's a decision you know you have to make in conjunction. Um, with the pastor, with everybody else, and make sure that the aesthetics of how you're presenting are going to align and all the values kind of align right. there. Yeah. Uh, but because we've had that issue in the past over the years <laughs> where, where what worked in our head did not work, work with what they wanted. And right. We had to adjust. And can you, uh, can you talk about um, cardioid, super cardioid, dynamic yeah. mics? Explain that to us. So when we think of, uh, 
cardioid and supercardioid, we're, we're thinking of the pattern. Um, a true cardioid mic is going to be omnidirectional, theoretically. Or, uh, I'm sorry, unidirectional. What, what that means is they will pick up sound from the front of the capsule. So this is a bad example because this is a condenser. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it doesn't look like it, the the Beta eighty seven is a condenser. Exactly. That's and that yeah. that is confusing because it looks like kind of like the Shure SM fifty eight. That is not condenser. a condenser, right? That, yes, that's that what, capsule right there is a condenser, which is a great vocal mic. I mean, even it's being awesome. Yeah. What we mean by unidirectional is when we look at the mic like this, it's picking up everything over here, everything on the sides, and everything behind it has noise reduction. It rejects sound behind it. This mic's a little different because it's a condenser, but on your 58 uh, you've got there, yep. that's the way it works. It's just going to pick up everything here in the front, and if you've ever done the talk test, if you want to know how well a mic picks up, this is a little trick I've picked up over the years doing live sound, and it's never steered me wrong. Because you never know what you pick up, um, especially if you're using different people's mics. You talk in the front of it like this, then turn it like this. Do you hear it sound more muffled? Yeah. If it's sounding more muffled, you know it's a unidirectional right here. And if you can turn it like this and it gets more muffled, and then you turn it like this and you get nothing at all, <laughs> you know it's a unidirectional. Right. This mic is different. This mic is different. It will still pick me up if I'm talking like this. Very faintly, but right. it will pick me up. Um, so that kind of moves into talking about condensers. Condenser mics are very situational. Um, there is no one-size-fits-all. Uh, that's the big thing I can tell you. There's no one-size-fits-all. You have to take into account your room. You have to take into account how much stage noise you've got. And you need to take into account stupid variables like air conditioning noise. Yeah. Jason, there, everything. Was, there was one situation, and it, it's not the church you're at, but it was it was a while back where every time the air conditioning would come on, you would hear of the choir mics. Yes. And and I distinctly remember that, and it just annoyed me to no end. <laughs> and it, it, it was a mixture mixture of a couple things. It was a mixture of the placement of where the mics were, right? Where the air vents were, <laughs> hmm. and it, it just did not work out. So, um, at your current church, you're using a pair of uh, Russian mics that yeah, I the bought. Octavas. Man, man, we're old. 20 something years <laughs> those, ago. Those Octavas have been around for a while. And they, they have them. been around with me since the very beginning when I started doing this. They have been well used. I bought them off of eBay for $135 and yep. finding a good Russian set with the pads like those have now, you're looking right. over a thousand. Yep. It's such good mics. They're awesome mics. Um, the reason why we're using them and, and just to kind of walk everybody listening through the the analysis i kind of think of when i'm doing this is you had hanging choir mic mm -hmm. note i said had that's <laughs> they don't really work 
Right. And, um, yeah, speaking of that, we're going to have to hang those things up because they're getting in front of your projectors. Another thing to consider, if you've got yes. projectors and you're hanging mics in front of your projector, people don't yeah. like that. Uh, right. But the the reason why we use the Octavas was it went back to a production you did about two years ago, the first Christmas you were mm -hmm. there, and we were having a lot of trouble getting sound out of the choir. Yeah. Um, we were using the overhead mics. They were not doing a good job. And we came in and said, okay, the best thing we can do because of the number in the choir you had is put the two octavas on the floor and do them in an XY pattern. So you got one mic on the left, one mic on the right, and you're pointing them kind of an X like that. Right. And, and you're looking at the center of your choir and you're trying to find that center point and then spacing the mics out far enough so they're picking up everybody on the side, but they're focusing on that center point right. to get a cohesive image. Exactly. Yeah, and one of the things about condenser mics, you have small diaphragm mics, which is basically what the octavas are. And this is an example of a small diaphragm mic. It's a Rode M5, which basically, same purpose. I put it in an XY pattern. I have two of these, a match pair. And mm -hmm. if I want to mic an ensemble, I use it a lot of times with my children's choir, youth choir, other... It's great for miking brass or, you know, any kind of instruments. These work great overhead on drums. Any of those kind of applications, you would use a small diaphragm condenser mic. That mic you've got right there, that Rode, is yep. the, the one I would recommend as a very good entry level. Yeah, and the pencil. they're not that expensive either. Yeah, I, they're called small condensers, but the, the term in art that I've called it over the years because I've heard it in the industry is a pencil condenser. It's a pencil condenser, because, right. Because they're so yeah. small. Right. Now, moving up from there, uh, we have different types of condensers. What I'm showing you here is a blue bluebird. This mic right here is a condenser mic, and it has it's a multi-pattern condenser mic, which means... I can make this be unidirectional in the front, hypercardoid, where it picks up on the sides and around, or omnidirectional, and it picks up all sides. Uh, this is sort of, uh, and you can kind of see it, do you, you kind of see the, it, it kind of glowing a little bit right here? Right. In the yeah. That's the actual condenser itself. Uh, this is sort of, a, they call this a large condenser. But as far as large condensers go, it's on the smaller side. Right. Blue has been it's, making these mics for about 20 years, and they sound excellent on vocals. Right. Still technically a large diaphragm condenser mic, but you, like you said, it's on the smaller side. Yeah. Now you do have a bigger one that you're going to show us now. This is a Rode NT1, and I'm trying mic. to get it to show where the condenser is. You kind of can see it through the mesh. Mm -hmm. But this is this is your typical large condenser. This mic is an utter workhorse. If I recommended any condenser mic for anybody, if you're trying to do good vocals, more in a recording atmosphere, this is the go-to mic. Yeah, and hands you get, down. You, you can pick that up for close to two hundred bucks, under two fifty. Yeah, it depends uh, on what. Yeah, if if you buy the okay. One thing on the, the Rode NT1s, this one I have had for about 16, 17 years. Yeah. This is the original NT1. 
There's an they NT1A. A, the NT1A is the new one they're producing. That's one hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, one hundred ninety nine. Yeah, it used to be two forty nine, and they, apparently they brought it down now. The NT one um, by itself, regular NT one is a two sixty nine. Yes, there is a difference in the capsules, though. What they're marketing as NT one now is more like an NT one A. The capsules right. are the same. There's just difference in the power structure of how this mic is powered. Right. And that brings a good point about when you're running condensers, phantom power. Yes. Your board has to have phantom power. And you might be asking, well, what in the world is phantom power? Look on each channel or look on the side of your board and look for something that says either phantom power or plus 48V, 48V. Uh, the old analog boards usually had a phantom power switch on every channel. Right. Newer boards and digital boards are going towards running phantom power on what they call a rail now. So you might have a bank of channels running, have a, a plus 48V, a phantom power switch. Or it could just have one phantom power switch for all the channels. So that's something to consider and make sure your board, and if it's been made in the past 20 years, it's got it. Right. You just got to look for it. But I don't know how many times I've had people say, well, I bought this condenser and it's not working. It's a phantom power on. They don't have it will power not on. work. Right. It will not work unless you turn that off. And uh, e even this, and, and I forget this from time to time, with the Beta 87, Right. I think, oh, it's a dynamic. It doesn't need anything. Exactly. It's and confusing. then I get no signal. <laughs> exactly. And so some of these, like a Beta 87, you've got to be able to turn on phantom power. Uh, the interface I used, um, I, I use a, a Universal Audio Apollo, and uh, it's a rack unit, and I always forget to turn on the phantom power. So for whatever reason, as soon as you turn it off and turn it back on, it cycles mm -hmm. the phantom power. That's yeah. something to think about with digital boards. Usually they save the setting, but don't count on it. Right. And usually you'll get a little indicator light saying, you know, phantom power's on. Make sure that's on before you get started and you start thinking of mics exactly. busting. And a lot of a lot of those large diaphragm condensers you think of when you see you see in a recording studio application, right. but you can still use them in a church setting as well on Sunday morning. They're great for talk about that. You mic mic cabinets with them or yeah. Um, How would you use the, that blue mic that you have in a church setting? The, the blue mic I would use if you had brass. Yeah. If you had brass, if you had saxophones. Uh, I'm a saxophone player, and I have used the blue to record saxophone a lot. My son also plays saxophone, too, and we use this mic a lot. That's the reason I have this mic, and, and I bought this a couple of years ago. Is it you know in the post COVID world we're living in right now? A lot of uh, people are recording over Zoom and stuff like that. This is so if you've got like a, an instrument or somebody doing an audition, maybe you're trying to help out a, a kid in the high school or something. Good mic. Yeah, they they have a cheap version of this for two forty nine, and for two forty nine, it's still a good mic. It's still a very good mic. Um, I would use this on brass. 
that's what I would look at first, and I would uh, run the pad on it so it cuts out everything under 100 hertz. The problem with these mics is they pick up everything, and I cannot stress that enough. When you get on a stage and you have floor wedges, these mics are your worst enemy. Right. So you have to make it, you have to make a decision. If you're going to run this, you need to make sure this is not in a floor monitor because you were just going to get constant feedback. And what else you need to do is only make sure you're running this through the mains. No floor monitors, nothing like that. Everything needs to be uh, silent on the stage with these mics or you're going to have problems. Now, if the guys that are playing the instruments need to hear, then you really start thinking about using in-ear monitors. Yeah. Because I, I, I can tell you as many tips and tricks as possible, but at the end of the day, nothing is going to be a good set of in-ear monitors when you're using a condenser on the stage. Yeah, we can talk about monitors on another podcast yeah. and uh, discuss floor wedges versus in-ears and all the things. All the problems that come along with that. The other let's thing talk- to cons- okay. uh, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, let's talk about this mic that it can be confused as a condenser mic, but it's actually a dynamic mic. When you look at it, it looks like a good recording mic, which it is. It's an excellent vocal recording mic. This is the uh, the Shure. It's a SM7B. Um, it's a great broadcast mic, um, but you can you might see it on stage if you go to like a Chris Tomlin concert. He uses this as his actual vocal mic. And so just think about that. If you want a good quality vocal mic and you don't need wireless, um, th- this might be one to look at. And it's great for recording if you're using it. And there's several things you can use it for. Um, But it's this is the uh, Shure SM7B. Yeah, uh, the SM7B uh, is a dynamic mic. But the one thing, do you have the cloud lifter with you right now? I do not have it with me right now. Well, when we talk about the 7B, we have to talk about the cloud lifter. Um, As a dynamic mic, it is very low gain. What I mean by low gain is if if I had uh, one of my small interfaces uh, here, and I probably do somewhere, um, when you look at the gain structuring on your interface right here, like this is a volt I've got, uh, UA volt. The SM7B, like, like most of your dynamic mics, you could run about halfway, okay? Right. <laughs> the SM7B without a cloud lifter, you're running it up like this. You have to crank it up because you're not you getting have much to sound. Crank it. So what, over the years, what was designed to be a complement to the SM7B was a uh, little attenuator. I'm sorry, not attenuator, but an expander called the cloud lifter. Uh, it's about 120 bucks. And honestly, if you're going to go all in with the SM7B route, which is already $350, just spend the extra money, get the cloud lifter. Because I read on forums all the time of people who just buy a 7B and they're like, this thing's garbage. It doesn't work. Uh, It's just too noisy. No, your interface is noisy because you're Uh having to crank it up all the way. Right. You add a cloud lifter and you're back to running it halfway or a little bit lower. Yeah, without additional noise, the at least audible noise you can hear. Um, the seven B is ubiquitous. It, it is one of these mics that everybody is using um, in some way, shape, or form. Tomlin's using it. 
Uh, I can't think of how many podcasters are using that That's mic. A, yep, a lot. If you even I, if you look, yeah. watch some video podcasts, you see a lot of those people yeah. even even they're using it. So great mic. I need I, I need to hook mine up. <laughs> I'm a, I'm hooking mine up next week. I yeah. just need to get it set up and run it through the interface. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I need to hook mine up, and I'm probably going to use this little Volt 2 over here just because it's an easy USB-C interface just to plug in my laptop and, and go. Right. Uh, but the quality is good. The setup takes time, but the quality is good. Uh, the biggest thing I can tell you is if you commit to a 7B and a cloud lifter, don't give up after you can't get the sound you want in the first five minutes. You literally have to tinker with that mic for a while, and you can get a good sound out of it. Another question I often hear about the the 7B is, well, do you need a pop shield? No, if you look at the 7B, it has a natural pop shield built into it. It comes with it. one already, already on it. As long as you're like not just right on the mic, you're going to be okay. You know, keep about, you know, an inch or so away from yourself and you're fine. But the, the guys... Uh, that get right on the mic, you know, it's like right here in front of their face. Mm -hmm. If they say P's or have a lot of syllables, you might pick up a little noise. Um, I have seen guys on a stand run just a regular old circle pop filter in front of them. Mm -hmm. Those are extreme cases. I don't think you need to do that by default. Right. I don't Especially think it's necessary. Just especially on your Sunday morning worship setting. I used this mic for a while and then I switched back to a wireless mic, but um, we didn't have to put one in a pop filter in front of it. No, you use it uh, when you're at the piano. Right. So it, it, it piano, was, yeah, yeah. It, it was a good vocal mic for you to lead from the piano and it sounded awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it was easy to mix that. That's the thing about the seven B. And I, I think if you are going to be in a wired scenario, and you're committing to a wired scenario, kind of like you were having your piano and having a dedicated mic at the piano. Right. I don't think you could go wrong with the 7B if you're really wanting to kind of up your game a little bit. Yeah, it just got, for me, it just got to where I was having to move around some. And so I went switch back to the wireless. If I would get up and sing with an ensemble yeah. or sing a special, I'd have to grab a different mic and move back and forth. And so I just, I just went back to a good quality, sure yeah. handheld mic. And now you're running Sennheiser. We're about to run Sennheiser when we set yeah. that up. So, yeah. So, you know, with a couple minutes we got left, let, let's just rack our brain and think okay, guys are starting out brand new. What are the mics we tell them they got to have? Right. I think you need an SM57 mic and an SM58. You can't go wrong with both of those. That gives you an instrument mic and a vocal mic. Mm -hmm. If you just, you know, need some basic microphones. And on a budget, I mean, you can certainly go high end on things, but if you're just starting out on a budget, you don't want to go wireless, can't afford the wireless. Sure, you can't go wrong with a good quality Sure mic. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree on the SM57. I think it's one of the most misunderstood mics. Right. I, I, I think it has so many applications. We used it to mic a bass cab. Yep. It's not the best mic for a bass <laughs> cab. I mean, it's not like... You know, when you bike a bass cab, you'd want to use something high end like Audix D6 or something like yeah. that that's made for low frequency for like a kick right. drum because uh -huh. it sets in that same range. Right. But man, I can get a good sound out of a bass with well, a, a SM57 too. Well, and you can run them super hot too. That's the main thing. And they don't feed back. 
Right. Exactly. It's hard to get them to feedback. Um, uh, one, one of the biggest pieces of trivia that always said about the SM57 is that's what the presidents use on their podiums. That is true. Yep. It has been for years, years and years is a SM57. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with the 57. Uh, so dynamics, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, 57 to 58. And if you're going to move into needing to record your choir and you don't have installed mics already at your church, that road, I would show that road again. Yep. It's the Rode How- M5 pencil mic. Mm-hmm. Um made by road and you can buy them as a matched pair 199 bucks for two of them you can't and beat that you get a little bar and you put them in an xy pattern in front of your choir or you can separate it depending on the size of your choir and then pour them towards the x on two pattern. different uh, yeah two different yeah, stands. two different stands right yeah we do right now at your church the expanded xy pattern where you have yes. two different stands pointed towards the center right um you can get some with the with the couple minutes we got left, I, I want to tell a story about when we were both at Baylor and we recorded your choir in the Browning Library, Armstrong Browning Library, the Baylor Chamber Singers. Yeah, with the octava so, mics. So set that up. What was the goal of what they were wanting for that? Um, of course, Baylor, the Chamber Singers at Baylor is their premier ensemble, acapella ensemble, sixteen voices. They exclusively sing in this Armstrong Browning library. It has really high ceilings, and the sound just reverb reverberates all over the place. Just a beautiful sound. They sing pretty much all a cappella music, um, very classical, high church, I would call it, type music. And um, the director, Dr. Bailey, um, just wanted a good quality recording. Um, now, mind you, Baylor has their own recording studio, their own recording staff. I was just a student at Baylor, and... Um, we were, we were practicing a huge piece with combined choirs in Waco Hall, which is the big symphony hall on campus. And I was standing out in the audience. We were singing from the balcony. I was out in the audience with a shotgun mic and my little mini disc recorder recording it. And Dr. Bailey walked up and asked what I was doing. And I said, hey, I just wanted to I'm just experimenting with some recording. Uh, my friend and Rick and I. Um, dabble in that we have our little recording studio and he said well why don't you come and record us I have no idea what he ever did with that recording after we recorded it but he asked me to come to one of their rehearsals and record them he wanted he may have been submitting it to something um, for them to go perform at but we recorded three or four songs for him I think we did uh, we just used the octavas and I don't remember what interface we were using at the time I'll tell you what it was it was an old Roland setup. It uh, was. You uh, had that uh, mi- that mixer. VS. It was all built in one VS system. Yes. Huge. It was huge. For you Just... guys starting out today that think you have it bad. Mm. <laughs> I was carrying around 35 pounds. That was heavy. This, we, and we recorded a power source. I couldn't plug it into a laptop. This is. That's... Let me set the stage for this. This was 2004. Right. This was, I, I will always remember it because that is when I uh, got accepted into Baylor. I started that summer into Baylor. Mm-hmm. And um, we were using the VF, I think it was the 1660. Yes. Um, we had done a lot of recording with it, and I felt very comfortable with that. I, I, I can't even call it an interface. It was an interface. It was a mixer with a hard drive. That's exactly what it was. Then you'd have, <laughs> to, transfer, was. You'd have to transfer everything from that to your computer to edit and uh 
Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. But... So, and so that's what you had to do. And, and, and the only connection you had on the thing, you did not have USB. You did not have firewire. You had to physically remove the hard drive. Yes. And plug it into this interface on your right. computer through SCSI. Yes. God, we're dating ourselves. On my <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, but we have come a long way since then. We have. But the beautiful thing, and I, I remember the setup because it was 11 o'clock in the morning we did it. Mm -hmm. uh, I did this, the setup. I remember going in there with you saying, where they're warning, the ceiling is so high. I want to take two mics, run them in a pure XY pattern, and then we had, uh, I don't know if you still have it, it was an MXL 990. Yeah, it was a green and gold mic. Yeah, it was our Baylor mic. And, and it was I the remember, Baylor mic, yeah. I, I remember Dr. Bailey saying, you got a Baylor colored mic. That's exactly right. And, and I, they had a huge stand. The recording mm -hmm. studio gave us a huge stand. I brought right. two stands for the XY. And what we did is we took that uh, huge stand. It was like a 25-foot stand. And I said, Jason, let's just throw this thing up as yeah. high as we can get it because I want to mix the natural reverb right. in with what we're hearing on the XY. To this day, that recording still holds up. Yes. Every time I have let people listen to that, they are amazed at just how half-cocked that recording was right. when we got that sound. Yeah, I think we should do a, a podcast on all things recording coming up. I would up. love to. Next oh, few weeks so we can talk fun. about all the things, interfaces, microphones, you know, how to how to how to mic things and whatnot. But that we'll do that another time. We're almost out of time right now. Thank you so much for joining us again. This is episode two. We're off and running with this podcast. We're so excited. And um another thing is just uh this podcast we is edited and and by the uh, what's the name of our company that uh, paradigm paradigm media media paradigm media edits edits yep. and edits this podcast and posts it for us every week so um join us next week we look forward to it yep 